the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Change makers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. After a traumatic past, which includes kidnapping and physical, emotional, and sexual abuse, today's guest Doug Dane beat the odds stacked against him to find happiness and success in his own life. Doug's work is inspired by the steps he took to overcome the typical trajectory for someone in his shoes. He offers guidance to help us break into a new life, no matter what we may have experienced. Doug is a mindset mentor, speaker, mental health advocate, and author of Mistaken Identity, A Guide to Letting Go of a Past That's Holding You Back. Welcome, Doug. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Nice to be here. So, Doug, I want to start off by talking a little bit more about you and your life story. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess I, I kind of start uh, in the middle of the, the life story. So it was, uh, it was basically 2000, 2001. I was about 39 years old, and my Second marriage had failed. All my relationships had failed, or I had, I had wrecked them. And uh, you know, I was a good guy, and I was doing well in parts of my life. But for some reason, I just kept wrecking relationships. So I ended up in counseling, and um, a lady was uh, uh, started asking me some typical questions they ask you in terms of family history, and I didn't have a lot of answers. And um, she said, uh, "Well, you're obviously your your way's not working." If you want to have a better future, you might want to figure out your past because I think there's something in your past um, abuse of some sort. And I said, there's there's no abuse in my past. I didn't recall anything like that. I remembered my parents being uh, alcoholic. And so I went on this investigation and I literally uh, I hired a private investigator. I got uh, records from my adoption. I was adopted as a six month old baby. I got social services records from um, uh, Children's Aid, it was called at that time. Uh, I interviewed uh, teachers, uh, friends, family, neighbors, et cetera, and I pieced together a a story. And so I got dropped into this uh, violent, um, alcoholic home as a baby, and my parents were uh, really violent towards each other. So we witnessed a lot of violence as as little little kids. I I adopted a brother. He was adopted before I got there. And... um, Anyway, so the first 13 years of my life were witnessing violence and being on the end or other end of emotional and physical abuse, primarily at the hands of my my mom, but also, of course, watching my dad um, mistreat and, and beat my mom. And um, at 13, um, I uh, literally threw my mom out of the house. My parents were fighting. I, I picked her up, carried her outside, called the police, and they came and, and took her away. She never came back. And then I went, as I say, looking for love in all the wrong places. And um, I was skipping school and out uh, wandering the streets all the time. I ended up in this ring of pedophiles um, and sexually abused over two years by uh, between four men. There was uh, 23 boys in this ring. And at 15, um, and that ended in, ended in kidnapping. Um, the guy that was abusing me primarily was trying to escape arrest. It was on the news and um, the police were on the trail of these men. And so we uh, left for a week and then came back. And then uh, um, that, of course, coping turned to drugs and alcohol. I was drunk and stoned from basically 15 to 23, didn't finish high school. I barely made it into grade 10 and just working in in jobs. I came from a very poor family, and so I was you know, working in 
in a, sort of a blue collar environment. And um, then I got into business at 23. Um, I don't know what got me into that, but um, failed miserably. I had a couple of businesses, got in business with a, a bad guy and uh, ended up going bankrupt, landing on my feet. And then finally, I figured out how to earn money. And so I became successful in business. So that was basically 25 through uh, through 40. And then this relationship fails. Um, all this story comes out that I just told you. And uh, I got this bright idea that in order to let go of it all, um, I felt that the truth would make me free. So I wrote my story. Uh, mm-hmm. and it was on the national newspaper here in Canada. Then I was on national television. And then people asked me to start speaking. And um, people were coming to me going, how did you go from you know, that violent, traumatic childhood and all this, all the, the trauma, guilt and shame that goes along with it. How did you break free? And I broke free in some respects, but not in all respects. And so uh, that point then began a pursuit to figure out how did I do it and how could I tell you or help you? Because 60% back then is still today, 60% of adults have suffered some form of adverse childhood experience, whether it be emotional, physical, sexual abuse or witnessing violence. And so I've been on a pursuit ever since, and um, that's kind of the Coles notes. Everything that you just described, any one of those things could have completely destroyed a person. And yes. did you ever have a time when you started to feel sorry for yourself? You got into that victim mentality. Oh, all the time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a real, uh, you know, I, I say to people that I work with, like, we're real hypocrites. And what I mean by that is I was, you know, saying one thing and, doing another, pretending one thing and, and feeling another. So I was a really great actor, uh, mm-hmm. meaning that I acted like I had it all together. And I, I did have it together with respect to my career. And, and I was a good person and you know people liked me and I was a nice guy. Um, but uh, internally, um, for the longest time, I just kept going, what the heck is wrong with me? And so up until where the article came out, the story came out, I just had this lingering feeling that I was depressed and anxious and nervous, uncomfortable around the people. You know, one of the chapters in my book is called Sweaty Palms, Big Heart, because I'd sweat all the time whenever I was around with people. And I really struggled. I didn't know why. And then the story came out. And that, of course, explained a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was able to release, like literally when I went public, the guilt and the shame of the story all fell away. And my my perception on it changed dramatically. And that's what really was a big part of the healing is I just changed my perception on the story that it was, it was a, a gift, not a curse. Mm-hmm. So almost immediately that changed, but you know, 2000 through to, you know, uh, now, uh, even up until a couple of years ago, I was still, you know, just still struggling with these things and, and just this, this lingering feeling and, um, and even being aware that I had it and unable to shake it. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, of course, I definitely experienced those those feelings. And I understand when you say that we're all good actors, because mm-hmm. that was my life. When, when I started this work, this work came out of the result of a lot of pain and, and trauma in my life. And in a period of five months, my 23-year marriage ended. My mom died. My sister died. My son left for school. So it's like I had this life one day, and then it was just completely ripped away from me. And so I started doing this work around changing your attitude, changing your life. And, and really that started, there wasn't a whole lot of thought behind it. It was just because I knew I had to get my head in the game if I was going to survive any of this. And so I would mm-hmm. co- go out in, during the day because I'm the rock for everyone. So I was this strong person and everyone saw me as, like you said, all together. And I would go home at night and lie in the fetal position on the floor and sob. And so you're right. We are actors. And and um, when you make that decision that I can no longer stay that way and you rewrite the story, because that's what I did as well. I started to mm-hmm. shift the way I saw the things instead of why are all these things happening to me? I started to believe that they were happening to help me to grow, to be a better mm-hmm. person. That was really a turning point for me. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah. And I think you know, that's why so many people do stay stuck because they don't make that decision and say, I no longer want to live this way. I want something different. It's hard. Um, and that's, and when I say that, that's the standard answer people, uh, give me is that it's hard. And, and so, um, 
the perception is that it is very hard. It's complicated. It takes a long time because the way we've approached this, um, you know, these kinds of situations and stories and experiences, um, the, the, the methodology and the uh, modalities, I guess we use to deal with, you know, our suffering, our pain, our trauma, um, is just a kind of methods we followed for a long time. And they don't really, they don't really work very well. They don't very, they don't happen very, very quickly. And so I struggled for a long time <clears throat> and I, I met, you know, my last mentor I worked with for, um, for eight years and, and he really got me to see that I was making it complicated. I was making it hard. It could happen really, really uh, quickly. Um, but what most people don't know, and it's very frustrating, is there's there's a few things that, that have gone on since we were little. And, um, you know, no matter what your age is, you know, I'm almost 60 now. No matter what your age is, whether you're 26, you're 80, um, when you were little, there was a few things happening um, while you were growing up and, and trying to find your way. So uh, we were we were brought up with a huge compulsion to conformity and basically falling in line, you know, wanting to be liked, wanting to be approved, validated, accepted, all that stuff, wanting to fit in. And that also breeded a um, or bred a, a feeling or a fear of worrying about what people think, fear of criticism. And so, you know, it, it is difficult to uh, make that. It's easy for you and I to say, hey, just make a decision, Joan or Doug, mm-hmm. and and uh, your life can change. But the perception is that it's hard. Um, and it's also fueled by, you know, um, social media now these days. But, you know, the whole shelf, I call it the shelf help industry. I mean, I was brought up in, in that, you know, trying to read books to try to find out what's wrong with me. And what I discovered was I had this mistaken identity and the big question I kept asking myself my whole life, and I think most people do, goes, what's wrong with me? And everybody else is asking the same question. What the heck's wrong with you, Dougie Dane? And my teacher's going, what's wrong with you? And my boss is, what's wrong with you? And I'm going, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. But I never got an answer. And I finally realized why I never got the answer, because there is nothing wrong with me. What's wrong, I've been asking the wrong question, what's wrong? is what's wrong with what I believe? What's wrong with how I was treated? What's wrong with, you know, what and who I'm I'm following? So I, I just tell people, stop trying to fix yourself. The key is to be yourself. And it's difficult to be yourself in today's society because to break out of that into, you know, living with your true self, there's a lot of outward pressure. Yeah. And the thing also is, you know, none of us like change. We we like things the way they are and we're comfortable, even if it's being comfortable in our misery, but it's what we know. Yeah. And it is hard to break out from that. And you're right. We can sit here and say, oh, just take the step, make the choice. But it is the hardest thing you will ever do. And it's not like you flip a switch and you make the choice and everything is wonderful and you move into, you know, rainbows and sunshine. That's not how it works. But It is deciding at some point I can no longer stay where I am and do things the same way day in and day out, expecting a different result. Yeah. And you mentioned victim mentality. I mean, I definitely carried around a victim mentality. I was a victim, but only until I was 15. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you could say I was a victim of that that caused me to be stuck in in drugs and alcohol and, and mental health problems. And you can... You just keep linking the victim um, victim mentality throughout your whole life and just keep, you know, keep bridging to the next bridge to give you excuses to, to stay stuck and, and suffer. But we don't we don't have to live that way. And I think, unfortunately, for many people, it takes something dramatic to give you the, the wake up call or the, the slap in the face to uh, to make the change. But it can be a lot easier for us than we think, um, but our perception is that that it that it's hard. And I just I think I just say to people like, and my mentor said to me like, Doug, you know, are you happy in your life most of the time? No. Do you experience joy relatively often? No. You know, are you struggling? Yes. Well, is your way of working? No. And I think we have to be honest with ourselves and. Um, you know, just really ask ourselves some serious questions as to whether we want to do anything about it. But it's 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 very easy to suffer and, and 
stay in sort of the victim mentality. And being a victim is actually, you know, very, very convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives you lots of excuses uh, uh, and alibis. But um, we are, we don't have to suffer as we are. Um, life is actually what I discovered. Uh, I didn't know this. There's a couple of things I didn't know. Um, my mentor kept saying, Doug, like life is actually quite simple. You're making it hard. And the reason it's hard on you is because of the way you think. And I, I didn't know what he meant. So I discovered a few things. One is I did not know that uh, my mind um, actually directs my brain and nervous system. I was not aware of that. I didn't know anything about mindset or how my mind actually operated. I, I learned that my mind, our mind is actually a machine. Uh, we're not a machine, but we have this machine. We're the operator. And if it directs my brain and nervous system, I probably should learn how the machine operates, follow some simple rules. And um, so we break those rules all the time. Um, one is we uh, we spend way too much time worrying about the future, and we were just simply taught to do that. So anxiety, all anxiety is is fear of the future. That's all you're doing is you're worrying about something that hasn't happened that you can't control. It creates anxiety, turns into depression, and then frustration is simply looking backwards on the past with guilt or regret and regret turns into resentment and guilt turns into shame. And um, our mind does not operate that way. Our, our mind only operates properly in the present moment, much like a GPS. Our, our mind is just like a GPS. It operates in the moment, course correcting you turn by turn as you drive. And we have to start operating our mind properly. And I didn't also know that this machine is also run by our self-image or our opinion of ourselves and our opinion of ourselves got distorted and is distorted by how we were treated or how we were raised. Even if you grew up in a nice family, I've got a message from a, a guy that read the book yesterday and you know, he grew up in a good family, but he's off track too, because you know, all the rules, values, beliefs, bias, prejudice that he was handed don't line up for him. And he thinks there's something wrong with them. And so we just got to get clear on on a few simple things, and then life doesn't have to be so difficult. It's always going to listen. It's going to be rainy some days. It's going to be sunny some days. It's going to be bad weather. It's going to be good weather. That's just life. It just it's how we view our problems and how we approach our problems and how we view our story determines how we view our future. And so, if you're willing to accept the idea that this actually could be simpler, because I wasn't me literally. Uh, eight years to finally accept the idea that it was simple. And then when I did, then it got really simple and easy. Doug, for someone who's listening to us right now and real, you know, wants to make the type of changes that you've been talking about, what is the best advice you can offer that person to get started? Well, I think, I think it depends on how you want it. If you want to do it um, by yourself, a lot of people want to do this by themselves because, you know, they don't want to admit um, what they're struggling with. But I think the first, the starting point always is decision. You have to ask yourself a couple of questions I just mentioned. And that is, you know, is, is my way working? You know, um, am I struggling? There must be a better way because um, we, uh, we're not living naturally. That's why we're in such conflict because we don't operate naturally. We're operating uh, just unlearned behavior that makes us feel you know, bad. So I think the first step is decision. Ask yourself a couple of questions. Um, I think it'd be a good idea. I don't think you have to, you know, go into your past too much. Um, uh, you know, you don't want to dwell on your past. What I, I didn't dwell on my past. I just simply assembled my past. So my, my mentors kept saying, hey, like, do not stay stuck in the past. Do not focus on the past. At least assemble a little bit of information that can kind of explain how you got here and why you uh, believe what you do or why you feel the way you do about yourself. And that's basically what my book is designed to do is to kind of realize, you know, what is, what is a, what is a mistake in identity? Um, what is yours and how did you get it? Because you have to learn that in order to unlearn that. And so I think, you know, you could do what I did and gather a bit of information and facts, even get your pen out and ask yourself a couple of, couple of questions, you know, um, where did I get, all my beliefs from, you know, where am I struggling in my life? What are the areas? You know, what are the problems I'm facing? And it all comes down to belief. 
everything is everything is run off beliefs. So you just have to ask yourself, what are the beliefs I have that are causing me to do what I do and causing me to struggle? Now, you might want to go, if you've been through a traumatic you know, situation like me, you might want to talk to somebody professional as a counselor that can extract the story. But, you know, I warn people, don't stay in counseling or therapy because generally you just continue to talk about the past and that's where you stay stuck. At some point you have to, you know, once you've assembled it, then you have to let it go. I think that would be the starting point. Um, and I think I'd also find somebody that has freed themselves um, from uh, a similar story like you or like me and, and just follow one person. Um, stop following, you know, everybody. Stop buying all these books. Stop listening to all these YouTube videos. Just find one person that you resonate with and, and follow them like a guide taking you up the mountain. Um, those would be some things I'd suggest. The book is Mistaken Identity, A Guide to Letting Go of a Past That's Holding You Back. If you'd like to learn more about Doug and his work, you can visit DougDane.com. Doug, in our final moments, what is the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? Well, I probably uh, probably a few things. Um, one, as I said earlier, um, stop trying to fix yourself. And the key is to start uh, being yourself in spite of this pressure for conformity and fear of what people are going to think. When you stop worrying about what people are thinking about you, you'll realize that they very rarely do. And if you stop thinking about yourself so much, you won't find anything uh, wrong with yourself. And um, if you're going to get the book, um, don't buy the book to fix yourself or to work on you. Let the book actually work on you. The book is designed actually as a process. It's more of a workbook than a book that you'd read. Uh, I take you over a process over literally over 30 days, 30 chapters, 30 principles, and 30 questions I ask you to get you moving fast so you can let go uh, quickly. And I think just for all the people, you know, 60% of the people that um, have been through these adverse childhood experiences, um, the big thing that got me to let go quickly of it was I just realized and accepted the idea that it didn't happen because of me. It simply happened to me. It could have happened to any little boy. It happened to happen to me, but I'm still here and I'm still gone and um, life doesn't have to be so hard. And once again, Doug's book is Mistaken Identity, A Guide to Letting Go of a Past That's Holding You Back. Doug, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Joan. I appreciate it. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you feel lost on your journey to health and happiness? Then let us guide you on your path. Personalized actions towards health. Your path is a series of choices you act on every day. We guide you on a personalized journey of dietary, exercise, genetic, supplement, and lifestyle choices that lead you to optimal health and happiness. Often taking the road less traveled leads to liberation. Your path is personal. Your journey, like you is unique. Take action today. Head to bestpathforme.com. Again, that's bestpathforme.com. An invitation to appear on a radio show or podcast provides you with the opportunity to showcase your knowledge while promoting yourself, your products, and your business. It can elevate you as an expert, boosting your reputation, but only if you make a good impression. If you want to stand out as a great guest who is remembered, celebrated, and gets invited back, you need to give the host and listeners what they want while communicating with confidence and charisma. Hi, this is Joan Herman. After years on air, I can tell within minutes if a conversation will be stimulating or not. Being prepared with a compelling message makes all the difference. In my training program, It's Your Time to Shine, I provide valuable information that will empower you to make the most of any media appearance. You work hard to get the booking, so don't waste the opportunity because of a lack of skills or preparation. To learn more, visit joanherman.com slash media training. That's joanherman.com slash media training. certified Reiki master and founder of Crystal Clear Energies. Welcome, Roxanne. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Joan, for having me. 
Roxanne, so many people today are stressed out and anxious. From your perspective as an energy healer, what happens to us when we live with constant stress? Oh, Joan, that's such a great question. When we live with constant stress in our bodies, we are creating a whole storm of energy that's going through our body that's that's not distributing where it needs to properly. And when talking about energy, we our energy flow needs to be consistent throughout our day. The energy gets stuck within our systems, within our chakras. And this is where disease can start to begin happening in our bodies. Okay, so you just mentioned chakras. What is a chakra? Okay, chakras are our energy centers in our bodies. We have seven main ones. And these chakras govern all the different organs in our bodies and body systems as well. So they need to be functioning and working correctly in order to obtain optimal health. For a visual, is it like there's this energy current that keeps circulating through our body? Yes, each chakra is actually spinning and they are connected to each other as well. So this current has to be consistent and flowing within our body. And when we become stressed, that energy can get stuck. What are some of the things that you see people experience when they have blocked chakras? Oh, there's so many things that could be happening. The symptoms could be anywhere from having anxiety, depression, pain, uh, chronic illnesses, and the list just can go on and on. We don't realize how much our chakras affect our entire body, whether it be our mental body, physical body, our emotional body, and our spiritual body. It affects every aspect of our lives. Once that energy flows, if you have a chakra that's blocked and, and shut down, some, you're going to be suffering with some type of illness or dysfunction in, within that particular area of the body. So let's say it's your heart chakra. So obviously the heart chakra, the main function is around your heart, but it also has to do with other areas in your body as well. So a person may be experiencing um, different aspects of their health failing within the heart chakra area, as well as even just their emotions and feeling loving themselves or loving others. And you'd be surprised how much the chakras do regulate what's going on within our lives. Once they're balanced, then you can start saying, oh, wow, I can really feel a difference. I understand. I feel like everything is connected, so to speak. So, Roxanne, as an energy practitioner, you work with a a variety of modalities to help people reduce stress and promote well-being. Can you provide a few strategies that we can do on our own to help induce calm? Oh, sure, Joan. There's plenty that we can do on our own. First of all, most of the, I think, very important things are breath. A lot of times when we are stressed, we do tend to hold our breath. So just being mindful of your breathing alone, um, nice, slow, deep breaths in, and maybe a little longer, deep breath out, and doing that for maybe a period of four to five minutes. Just doing that alone can help calm your stress. Meditation is always big on my list because you're connecting very from within, and it keeps you in a very quiet, reflective space. Uh, That's a really wonderful, wonderful way for stress reduction. Another great one is sound. Any type of sound, um, listening to nice music, keeping yourself in a nice space. Um, A lot of people love the ocean. They love listening to the sound of the ocean. Um, You know, there's a lot of apps out out there today that you can listen to to help with sound. Uh, Whatever in particular, I love the sound of singing bowls. So, you know, playing a singing bowl or listening to something on YouTube. Uh, There's lots of things you can listen to to actually just really connect with the sounds um, so they start to resonate within yourself. Using essential oils is another one. Um, Just the scent of the oils alone will actually keep you calm and reduce your stress level. Um, You can use it even during sleep. You know, running a diffuser is wonderful. Getting back into nature, just taking a a nice walk or going to the mountains and allowing that energy just to to permeate through your body. Of course, exercise is is huge. Um, Just being, you know, getting your body physically moving. So there's a lot of things. And of course, you know, if someone has an extra time, you know, doing something like a Reiki session to help balance those chakras and make that part of their routine so they can start reaping the benefits of having energy work done on their bodies. Roxanne, thank you so much for joining us and providing such wonderful strategies. Thank you so much, Joan, for having me. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. An invitation to appear on a radio show or podcast provides you with the opportunity to showcase your knowledge while promoting yourself, 
your products, and your business. It can elevate you as an expert, boosting your reputation, but only if you make a good impression. If you want to stand out as a great guest who is remembered, celebrated, and gets invited back, you need to give the host and listeners what they want while communicating with confidence and charisma. Hi, this is Joan Herman. After years on air, I can tell within minutes if a conversation will be stimulating or not. Being prepared with a compelling message makes all the difference. In my training program, It's Your Time to Shine, I provide valuable information that will empower you to make the most of any media appearance. You work hard to get the booking, so don't waste the opportunity because of a lack of skills or preparation. To learn more, visit joanherman.com slash media training. That's joanherman.com slash media training. This is WNYM, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. Welcome back to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. Most business owners that have a website struggle with increasing traffic to the site. Joining us today to provide strategies a business owner can implement to get more of their target audience to their website is Dory Bell, a specialist in helping health and wellness businesses attract their ideal clients and generate sales. Dory is the founder of Blossom Creative, through which she provides marketing, design, SEO, and copywriting services. Welcome, Dory. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Joan. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. So, Dory, as I'm sure you hear all the time from business owners, we create these wonderful sites, and then we struggle to get people to visit them. So what are a few of the biggest mistakes that you see people make when they create a website? Uh, what, a great, what, a, what a great question. The mistakes that I see people making, especially one people who are in smaller businesses, who are in oftentimes holistic like practitioners or, you know, massage therapists, you know, like people think that they can create these very complex websites by themselves. And the mistake I see is taking on like a, more of a do-it-yourself approach to a website, but then expecting professional results. And there's a lot of frustration that can happen. Why is that a problem, that. Dory? What don't we know when we create these sites ourselves? Um, well, a lot of people, in fact, a lot of website designers don't Im- implement or know about search engine optimization, which is a whole series of tasks that you do behind the scenes and on the website itself to make sure the search engines can recognize your the content of your website and then hopefully serve you up on the first or second page of the search results. So for and, someone, Dory, who, let me just stop you for a moment. For someone who doesn't mm-hmm. even know what these search engines are, just give us a really basic explanation of that. That's Google or uh, being like Google, Google's got 95% of the shares. So when I say Google, I mean all search engines. That's what you put into, like you search, you put in the query box, like, you know, what's a good recipe for guacamole or whatever. And, and the search engines go and find their whole reason for being is to find what they think is the absolute best answer to the question you're posing and serve it up on the first page. So you want to be that person. You want to, you want to be providing the best answer to the question. So how do we go about doing that? Um, well, that is a whole um, search engine optimization process that you would go through. Um, I do that with websites I design, but you would definitely want to keep in mind you know, make sure you're talking to the people that you want to be talking to in a language that they understand. And you want to make sure that your website is well organized. And I mean, there's like a, a, a lot of different things that you would have to do. And I offer workshops that go through that. And it's something that I provide to my website clients as well. Dory, what happens when we don't make our site appealing to Google or another search engine? What happens to our site? Well, that's what I hear. A lot of my clients, when they come to me, they're coming to me because they've built a website themselves or someone else has built a website and it just sits there. It doesn't really bring in business. It doesn't bring in leads. It's just something they kind of pay for and don't get anything in return. And that's that's kind of the worst case scenario. If you pay someone a lot of money to create a site, how do you know if they've done this or not? There's um, Again, you can talk to somebody who knows surgeon optimization to find that out, but you can see if, if the site's well organized. You can see if people are, if, if you're actually, you can do a search on what you do and see if you come up for it. You know, you can, there's different ways to do it, but um, yeah, the more you, you can, the more you know about search engine optimization, just even as a, um, 
a person in business, you can know what to look for and you can guide the designer if you need to. And I, you know, that's one of the th- that's one of the reasons why I encourage people to know and do some research about SEO. Can you share with us a few strategies that can make a big difference and help us to achieve this goal? Oh, yes, I would love to. Okay, so the first one is is to definitely you know you need a website. You, it's very important to have one because people use that to research before they buy a lot of times. But if you're doing it yourself, um, really take a simple approach to it. A one-page website with a means of contacting you and understanding what you do, your credentials, why you do what you do, and having a testimonial. So this establishes what Google calls EAT or EAT, expertise, authority, and trust. What the, you know, it takes me 60 to 80 hours to build a website. And that's me with all the tools and the experience that I have. Um, so if you think about yourself, if you think about what um, you can do with 60 to 80 hours in your own business, really think about how um, hiring a professional would be better than that. Another strategy I would say is to know who you're talking to. Um, make sure you are clear on your message. Um, if you are speaking, um, you know, confused people, do not buy. So if you are clear on what you have to offer and what your message is, um, you will make search engines happy because they'll understand what your website's about. And you'll also make the people coming to your website clear on what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's the best way to, um, to, to meet people where they are and then inspire them from there. Do you think a mistake people make in this area is they create their site with a lot of jargon, almost like it's an ad, as opposed to being informational? That is a, a tra- that that's yeah that's definitely something um, that people do. Um, they speak to maybe people in their own industry, and they use terms that those people would understand. It. But the, part, the the issue with that is that a lot of people who need you, they don't know what to call you. They don't know the right words. They need to be educated. Um, so when I work with a website client, we make sure that we are speaking to the people who are actually the ones with the pain, like mm-hmm. with the, with the problem that needs to be solved. Okay, so have a website. That's important. Know your audience. What else? I would say um, you want to make sure that you're providing attractive, high-quality content. You know, in in the course of the over 20 years I've been involved in this industry, well-written copy on a topic that resonates with your people has never gone out of style, and it, it it never will. So I would say to find out what you need to be talking about, um, you would you can use several sources. You can ask people. What do people ask you about? Make sure that the questions that you get most often are on your website answered. You can either do that with a frequently asked questions page or just make sure that you're answering those questions in blog posts or in, your, in the content. Um, you can go to Google and type in um, a question about your business. Like if you're a massage therapist, you can maybe type in what is Swedish massage and then look for on Google's return. They'll, you sometimes you'll see people also ask as a little section. And those are three or four questions related to that that Google also gets. Make sure you answer those questions too on your website because Google's telling you that those are those are common questions. Do you have to actually place that question on the site someplace in a, in a subhead or a heading? I, I actually recommend doing that only because the closer you can get to the way people are asking the question, the more Google understands that you're the one answering the question well. And especially in these days with a lot of people using Siri and other, you know, voice search, you want to make sure that there's sections on your website that are in more of a conversational like cadence. Dory, I know you work with a lot of businesses that specialize in wellness. Is that type of a website different than another kind of business? You know, it is actually. The way I approach working with uh, people in the wellness vertical with their website, you you have to keep in mind that Unlike other business websites, people are coming to your website in a state of vulnerability a lot of times. So you want to make sure that the language and the um, the atmosphere you're creating on your website is one that um, people feel safe in. I would say also that you want to meet people where they are, but you but you also want to inspire them. So speak to their pain points and know so they know they're in the right place, but do it in an inspirational way. You can actually, you know, that way they can identify with, the, you know, they, they know they're in the right place, but they also see what's on the other side, how they want to feel, who they're designed to be, that kind of thing. And you can see that on my own website, on blossomcreativeonline.com. I do that on my homepage. And Dory, is there a difference? Let's say you're a local business with a brick and mortar 
or you have a brand that can be national or even international. Is there a difference in the way you would design your sites? Not necessarily a difference in the design, but in the copy itself, you would want to, if you have a local store, there's a whole subsection of, of SEO called local SEO, where you would make sure that you are attractive to um, searches for that in that local area. So like in the map section, when people are looking for your business on a map, or, you know, there's different things you can do for SEO that focus in on a more local presence. And that's probably an area, let's say you're a massage therapist that you don't think about doing. You're just talking about massage and your services, but you're not localizing it. Yeah, that's another common misstep that people make just because they don't know. You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And these website do-it-yourself platforms, you know, they do have, there's a place for those. And you can do, do really well. I just what I see people doing is overcomplicating or expecting professional results from themselves when they just don't have the, the time to learn. I think two of the biggest, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think two of the biggest sites uh, that people use now are Squarespace or um, WordPress. And so is there a place on either one of those where you would put these SEO tags Yes, there is. Yeah, for, with WordPress, you would have a plugin. Most people use a plugin called Yoast. And for Squarespace, it's built into the platform itself. And, and that's something that you can do searches on, on Google to find tutorials on that. Or I, I, offer, I offer workshops, too. And Dory, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and your work and your workshops? Um, I would suggest that they go to my website, which is blossomcreativeonline.com. And once again, that site is BlossomCreativeOnline.com. And Dory, in our final moments, what is the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? Um, I would love to, people to understand that like, casting a wider net with your website is one of the best things it can do for you as a tool for your business. So let's really put effort into it so that it can come back and, and return that investment for you. Dory, thank you so much. Well, you're welcome, Joan. Thank you so much. I love the work you're doing and to elevate businesses like mine. Thank you so much. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you suffer with heel pain? Hi, I am Dr. Anant Joshi, a podiatrist from Woodland Park, New Jersey, practicing at Advanced Foot Care of NJLLC. According to the American Board of Foot and Ankle Surgery, plantar fasciitis is the most common cause of heel pain. The condition occurs when the plantar fascia on the bottom of the foot becomes inflamed. This ligament is responsible for supporting the foot's arch. Risk factors include being obese, having a very high arch, having tight calf muscles, and participating in activities that create stress on the heel bone. Activities such as running, jumping, certain workout routines. Most people can manage plantar fasciitis with at-home treatment. Resting the foot and applying ice can reduce inflammation. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs such as ibuprofen or naproxen can help with pain management. Stretching the muscles of the leg thoroughly before and after physical activity, as well as throughout the day, may help to reduce the heel pain. Wearing supportive shoes as well as custom-molded orthotics can also help relieve the heel pain. If an individual's plantar fasciitis does not get better with these treatments, see a podiatrist for further treatment options. In today's medical world, there are several non-surgical options available to get rid of plantar fasciitis permanently. If you would like more information or to schedule an appointment, please visit our website, footpainnj.com. An invitation to appear on a radio show or podcast provides you with the opportunity to showcase your knowledge while promoting yourself, your products, and your business. It can elevate you as an expert, boosting your reputation, but only if you make a good impression. If you want to stand out as a great guest who is remembered, celebrated, and gets invited back, you need to give the host and listeners what they want while communicating with confidence and charisma. Hi, this is Joan Herman. After years on air, I can tell within minutes... If a conversation will be stimulating or not, being prepared with a compelling message makes all the difference. In my training program, It's Your Time to Shine, I provide valuable information that will empower you to make the most of any media appearance. You work hard to get the booking, so don't waste the opportunity because of a lack of skills or preparation. To learn more, visit joanherman.com slash media training. That's joanherman.com slash media training. We all want 
want to live a happy, productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach On Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining us today is Emanuela Fasoni, a certified health and life coach who has helped people experience breakthroughs in their health and lives. She's the author of the book, Healing Through Nature's Medicine. Emanuela is here today to discuss a healthy diet for pets. Welcome, Emanuela. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Joan. This is a subject that's near and dear to my heart. It is for me as well, Emanuela, because many people just tend to grab any kind of dog food from the shelf. What should we be looking for when selecting food for our pets? So um, deciding what nutritional standards to use as guidelines is always, it's really not always easy for people. Not only do authorities vary on their recommendations, but there are two types of recommendations usually. The bare minimum of nutrition for meeting a pet's needs and the ideal amount. For instance, inactive adult pets must have the bare minimum of protein versus an ideal diet, like that of pets in the wild, which require more protein and fat, or for example, nursing females or pups. A healthy diet strikes a balance between ideal and the minimum. Using a variety of whole foods from meats, wild game preferred, Bones, not cooked, but actually raw like chicken bones, uh, goat milk or coconut yogurt, sprouted nuts and seeds that you can soak and then puree them in a magic bullet. You can give them to your dog. Veggies that you can mix 50% of the meats and, and ground up bones with pureed vegetables, raw vegetables. And you can even make your dog a smoothie with some, a half a zucchini with some berries thrown in there, some coconut milk or coconut yolk or um, coconut water, and also a tablespoon of almond um, butter just for the protein. That is considered proper nutrition for your dog. So you can definitely feed your dog a, well, a well-balanced raw food diet. Manuela, how do we know how much to give our dog? I mean, when you have kibble, you just go in, you scoop out a cup of food, and you put it in the bowl. How do we know when we're making our own meals if the dog is getting the proper nutrition? That's that's pretty easy. It's actually 50% raw meal. Depending on how much your dog weighs, that's how much will you'll determine how much meat is to be given. But you're going to just mix 50% of the raw wild game meats like bison, rabbit, venison, um, elk, those types of meats. I would steer clear from pork or um, beef and, um, and lamb sometimes, depending if the dog has digestive issues. But you can mix that with 50% vegetables, pureed vegetables like zucchini and celery is loaded with all vitamins and minerals, also mixing in some microorganic algae in there to give your dog all the vitamins, minerals, and amino acids that they need to really thrive. If you serve up zucchini or celery, is it better to cook it or to serve it raw? Raw. And you can also lightly steam it. I mean, raw is ideal, but you could lightly steam And you just have to be careful the way you cook it. You don't want to cook it with any seasonings or oils or things like that. Just steaming. Correct. Or baking. Yes, just steam it. No, exactly. No, you can even give your dog a baked or not raw, but a baked sweet potato or a boiled sweet potato. Um, You can mix that with some pureed vegetables and mix that in. And that is a complete meal because you're getting protein, carbs, and you're getting, obviously, the vegetables, the non-starchy carbs as well, which is loaded, again, with vitamins and minerals. But I would not use any salt, any, any seasonings. What I would do, actually, is just put in a dash. And when I mean a dash of turmeric, just a dash of turmeric. And why do you think people are so afraid to give our pets, quote-unquote, people food? Honestly, I think it's because we've um, 
We've all heard some veterinarians and pet food manufacturers caution pet uh, people against feeding a dog table scraps or a homemade diet. Such foods, they contend, have not been scientifically formulated to meet the dog's needs and may ruin a dog's health. Now, this might be true if a person just basically gave scrapped leftovers like cookies or white bread with, with gravy or canned spinach, right, in a dog's bowl. But we must remember that do-it-yourself dog feeding from a real whole food diet is a practice that has been with us since the first dog and person crossed paths over 10,000 years ago. So generation after generation of healthy animals thrived on a whole food natural diet eaten by our ancestors. So ideally, feed your dog organically raised and minimally processed foods. Try to use the best whole food, fresh foods that you can afford. And also, this will be a vast improvement over chemically processed products, which can be laced with everything from cancerous tissue to um, sugars and dyes and moldy grains. So to ensure a good balance of nutrition in your pet's fare, aim for variety. Emanuela, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Emanuela or if you'd like to work with her, you can visit embodyvitality.net. Or as always, to hear more from Emanuela, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Emanuela Fasoni. You've put your heart and soul into writing a book. So how do you reach your potential readers? Introducing the Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life book club created for books that change lives. A book featured gets recognized. For more information, visit cyacyl.com slash book club. for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read our digital articles, check out our team and book club, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow us on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.